This is our fourth and final session on this passage in Luke 6, 20 to 26. And I want to com- finish a point that I didn't completely make last time that I said I was going to make and then look at two parallel passages just to show you the kind of thing that can can uh, explode on your mind and heart when you see similar words used in different places and then track down those parallels. So, Father, as we focus on finishing the comment about love last time and how the great reward that's uh, promised here in heaven and its relationship to joy and love, as we finish that and as we look at some parallels in Matthew 6 and Luke 16, shed light on your intention here, I pray, so that this has a deep effect on our hearts and enables us to live for this kind of heaven-minded hope. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I I meant to say last time, and, and just forgot, in answer to the question, if you live for this great reward, if you If you get your joy and you're leaping, which leads to love, I argued, from 634 through 6 and and 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 2 and Hebrews uh, Hebrews 11, 24 to 26, I argued that, that this joy in this hope produces this love, then how is it love? Because a lot of people think if you're living for your own good, for your own benefit, yours is the kingdom of God. You're getting the benefit of of the reign of God, and you're getting the reward in the future. How is that loving uh, toward other people? Aren't you just living for yourself and using other people? And the answer is, well, if you are, then you're not going to go to heaven. <laughs> if, if you're using other people to get to heaven, you're not going to go there. So my answer to the question, how is it love to pursue the reward, to enjoy the kingdom, to find your pleasure in God, who is the great reward of heaven, Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If the, if the great reward is God and you're doing everything to maximize your joy in God, then what love is, is treating people out of that fullness in a way that tries to include them in it. Did you get that? Love is drawing strength and hope and joy from the hope of reward and the present power of the kingdom so that we are free to even die to help others go with us into heaven and enjoy with us this great reward because their enjoyment of it will increase our enjoyment of it. That is not unloving. That's not the use of other people. That's the inclusion of other people in the very thing you long to have. So that's my answer to the question, how is living for reward and joy producing love, how is it really love? Now, here's what I want to do in in this session mainly is go to two parallels of this passage and draw out interesting correlations. 
And I spotted these two parallels simply by noticing the similarity of certain words. So here in Luke 6.24, it says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received. And the Greek there, apeko, have back, turns up over here in very similar settings. Look at this. Matthew 6, 2, 5, and 16. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may be praised by others. They want to be well spoken of, as we saw back here. They want to be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, and here's that word, they have back, they have received their reward. Just like it says here, you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are rich. You want to be rich? You want to live for riches? That's what you get, but no more. That's the point of these verses. Truly, you have received your reward, period. You don't get anything from your father. Here's another one, verse 5. When you pray... So this was when you, when you give to the needy. Now when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. They are really eager for this well spoken of back here in Luke 6. That they may be seen by others. Truly, I said to you, here's that word again, they have received back their reward. They have received back their reward. Here it is a third time. And when you fast, so when you give and when you pray and when you fast, these things that are supposed to be done in the presence of God for his glory and to get his reward, not the reward of man. Know how easy it is when we are fasting to want to tell everybody how many meals we've skipped. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and that their fasting may be seen by others. Yes, 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 because, oh, how we love to be spoken well of. Truly, I say to you, here it is the third time, they have received their reward. So, what's the upshot of this parallel? It drives home this truth. Jesus said, woe to you, rich, for you have it, you have it. You have your consolation. In other words, there's no doubt that there's a reward for being a shrewd, worldly person. Lots of rewards. And you get them. It might be riches or it might be the praise of others. If you want the praise of others, you'll get it. If you want riches, you'll probably get them. And when you get the praise, and when you get the riches, that's all you'll get. And then follows hunger, and mourning, and weeping forever. Second parallel. Luke 16, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate... It was a poor man, rich and poor, just like we saw contrasted in 6.20 to 26. His name was Lazarus. He was covered with sores, which means he was probably weeping many times. Who desired to be fed, 
with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment. So, Abraham's bosom, Abraham's side versus torment. The great, we could call this the great reversal. Oh, how the the tables will turn someday. The rich man died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Now watch these words and remember chapter 6. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in, in your lifetime received... There it is. You received back. Remember? Woe to you who are rich. You have received your consolation. Now remember this word consolation, parakaleo in the Greek. In your lifetime, you received back good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. He was poor. He was hungry. He was weeping. But now he is comforted, and that's the very word for consolation here. The reversal, the rich who live for money get their consolation now. And the poor who trust Jesus and wait, they get their consolation later. So there's the great reversal. And oh, how we need to remind ourselves and those whom we're responsible for, our children, the people in our church, that things are not going to be what they presently seem. The poor will be rich, the hungry will be full, the weeping will be laughing, and the hated will be praised. And those who lived for consolation now will get it, but no more later. So, what do we do? We hold fast to the Son of Man, and we live on His account. We hold fast to the precious kingdom of God that has been given to us because we are followers of Jesus. We look to the great reward in heaven and so free ourselves from the need to be fearful or greedy in this life and in the great joy that comes from all of that. We do not, we do not walk by Lazarus, who desired to be fed from the rich man table. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, And he never touched Lazarus with all his wealth. God has a different way for us.